Hey, Wood. Hey. How, How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you hey. for talking to me today. Well, thanks for asking. I love it. Isn't it fun? So I'm recording you for Busy Living Sober's podcast. Fantastic. I'm excited to be a guest. Thank you so much for saying yes, and thank you again for having me a couple weeks ago down there at the College of Charleston. We had a blast, and it was great meeting you and your husband, and you inspired my students, and we we love what you're doing. So keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much. Now, Wood, will you tell all of our listeners what it is you do and what's going on at College of Charleston for me? Yeah, so we are in our third semester with a collegiate recovery program here at College of Charleston, and I was hired to be the director in November of 2016. So, as I said, third semester on campus. We currently have 16 students that are attending recovery meetings and helping with our service projects around the city and who are doing our social events with us. So they're an active group. Um, They like having other sober people uh, on campus. They spend a lot of time in our recovery lounge we have here in the Stern Center. And it's it's just nice to know there are other people on your team uh, on this campus. You know, College of Charleston has has had a reputation as a party school, um, and so there's there thoughts that this would be a hard campus to stay sober on, but if you got others to do it with, it makes it a lot easier. For sure. It's really hard to stay sober alone. I can, I can attest to that. Yes. And so we it's need not our just, it, It's not just College of Charleston. I mean, it's any college campus. I can't imagine – you know, being that age and, and making the decision then. I mean, it took me till I was 31 to figure out that I couldn't do it anymore. But, you know, I've got students that are getting sober their freshman and sophomore year who've who've got enough evidence to show that it's not working for them anymore and then who've got the guts to say, I, I've got to quit. I can't do this anymore. And they're almost relieved to find that there are other students on campus that are doing the same thing as they are. And we've got such good recovery in Charleston. Um, I mean, they're young people's meetings just about each day of the week. And, you know, not only are they supported here, but they're supported in in 12-step meetings all over the city. In the community, like everywhere, you can find some place to go and feel welcome. How would you say the program's changed since you first started in 2016? So I'll give you a little backstory. There were a couple of students that – had um, attempted to get into the College of Charleston um, as they were getting sober, and 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 two of them came through the outpatient program where I used to work at the Medical University of South Carolina. So I knew these two students that had gotten sober and were staying sober, and one of them had never been to college before. So he he had applied to the college and got denied eight different times because his transcript from high school was such a mess, and. It wasn't until he met with the, our dean of students who said, listen, write about your recovery in your personal statement. And so he did and, and talked about the fact that he'd made changes in his life and that he was now sober and that he was you know, eager to finally start going to college at age 20. And so when he got in, um, there was another guy that came to town that was going to the Medical University of South Carolina, and 
He said, listen, I've been to a collegiate recovery program in, in Georgia. I think you all ought to start one at the College of Charleston. So these three students got in front of the administration here, proposed the plan for what a collegiate recovery program looks like, did the research, and the school was behind it immediately. I mean, I can't thank President Glenn McConnell enough, along with our Executive Vice President of Student Affairs, Alicia Cadill. Um, they they got it right off the bat. They they thought this would be a neat program for the college, and it'd be, it'd be a feather in our cap to be the first school in South Carolina to have a program like this. And so the tough thing was that the college didn't have any money in the budget to begin a program like this. But they said to these students, if you go out and raise the money privately, we will be able to support it and write it into the future budget. And that's what these young men did. They went out and, and raised this money privately to begin a program, and then they advertised for a director. I've been watching this process the whole time going, that'd be the coolest job in the world. <laughs> so I get to come back to my alma mater where I kind of went off the rails back in the 80s and as a sober man get to help other sober kids. So oh. I, it, it's a dream for me. And just watching the program grow each semester kind of by word of mouth and and – you know, as younger and younger people are getting sober these days because they're hitting their bottoms at younger ages, you yeah. know, due to the combination of alcohol and prescription medication and the opiates. Um, I mean, these are natural fits on every college campus, and that's why we're seeing more and more of these programs come into existence. It's awesome. I am just, I'm in awe of you guys. I think it's amazing what you're doing down there. And college is full of social and academic pressures. How would you suggest college students deal with the pressure? Well, that's a great question. And in my first semester on campus, I was much more focused on our students' recovery and making sure we had enough recovery meetings and, and checking to see that they were going to 12-step meetings outside of here. You know, and, and I didn't overlook the academics, but I didn't realize – um, many of these students, you know, they began partying in high school, and so some of the study skills they should have learned then, they didn't catch, you know, because right. they were busy having right. fun and, you know, not really doing the schoolwork that it required. Um, and so that's been more of our focus is connecting our students that have some academic struggles and difficulties and or may just, may, may just didn't learn how to study in high school. So connecting them to available resources on campus, which – you know, I'm amazed at how many resources we have for students in, you know, each and every course of study they have. Um, tutors here and academic support there. So the, one of my big challenges was getting to know all our available resources on campus and connecting students to the campus partners. And, I mean, I, I get so much help around here, it, it makes it easy for them. Isn't it amazing? And it, it seems like so when the kids like finally realize, all right, I have a problem with drugs and alcohol. That's the first thing, admitting that and asking for that help, and then all the doors that continue to open along the path if you just take that one first step, right? Right, exactly. And and you know, at the end of our addictions, we feel so alone, and oh. that no one understands where we are, and. You know, how can I tell anybody where I've let myself go? But after you do make that admission and reach up for help, I think our students are so amazed at how much help there is available and how many other students there are on campus that have been right where they are and that can offer a pat on the back or a hug or a bit of advice and just kind of walk alongside them while they continue to recover. I mean, I see such a, a mentoring program, much like I see in the – 
you know, in the rooms of 12 Step. But seeing it on such a younger age level is really inspiring. And, and the best part for me is when I sit back and watch in our recovery meetings, you know, students helping students. I, I try and help as much as I can, but when they help each other, it's it's just a joy to watch. Oh, my gosh, it's when the magic happens, right? It's when exactly. the magic happens because exactly. they can let – they can let their egos go, go, and they can just be themselves. And instead of being the chameleon they had been for so long, I was the athlete, or I was the this, I was the that, and now they can just be them. Exactly. And the level of honesty amongst these students is pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, we had students talking the other day about um, two of them have fathers who are currently incarcerated, and and. You know, that hadn't come out in the meeting. And, and as these students have gotten more comfortable with each other and with the intimacy in the room and kind of following the lead of other students who are sharing some tough stuff about what they're going through, I mean, just the level of vulnerability is inspiring. And uh, and just watching, you know, the support that they get after they after they get truthful and honest is, you know, it's, it makes this so rewarding, inspiring, and, you know, and inspires me. <laughs> Exactly. Now, tell me this. Was there any one student or any moment or breakthrough with the student that has affected the way you run the program? Well, absolutely. I mean, I started this open meeting on campus, not for students in recovery, but for students that, you know, may may have had a question about their substance use disorder. You know, I used to work at the medical university, and we had plenty of College of Charleston kids that would come over there who were kind of forced in, not forced in, but who were intervened on or right. you know, there were some consequences that that strongly pushed them into our intensive outpatient program. And I could tell plenty weren't ready to get sober, but they had a bunch of questions about, you know, what it took to get sober and stay sober. So this this open meeting, I call it the if you've had a bad weekend meeting. You know, it's, it's oh, open for anybody to – it's open for anybody to come and talk about what's going on. And, you know, plenty of folks aren't ready to get sober, but they're curious about what it takes. And so that meeting is just a safe place to come in and talk. Um, some of my students go so they can kind of answer the questions that these other folks that are struggling have. And so that meeting's been going on for, as I said, three semesters. And I've had this one particular student who came to every meeting the first two semesters. And at first she kind of was talking a little bit about her boyfriend and her family and their struggles with substance use. And then the more comfortable she got with me, I tried to build some trust with her. She started talking about her own issues. And she opened up and said, I really think I've got a problem with this. And so, you know, I just kept making suggestions and I wasn't, pushing her to go to meetings. I was just saying, hey, if you ever want to come check out one of our core group meetings, the group, you know, our our sober students, please do. We'd love to have you just so you can see what it's like. And so she's transitioned from being somebody who was partying pretty hard for two semesters her freshman year to somebody who's now a member of our collegiate recovery program and is living an abstinence-based life. And that's been the neatest thing because I didn't scare her off and I didn't pull her in too quickly. I just let her, you know, come to that decision on her own by continuing to give the the evidence that it's not a bad decision to get sober. And it, it, it's always, you know, no one ever wakes up and goes, damn, I, I went out and got sober. You know, it's never a bad decision to put, put the substances down. There are plenty of mornings you wake up and say, damn, I, I shouldn't have had that last shot or taken that last Xanax. But 
no one's ever regretted getting sober. So isn't that she, the truth? Yeah. So she's really enjoying her new her new path on campus, and uh, it's been tough, you know, having to kind of leave some of her older friends behind. But she's got a ready-made group of friends here, uh, as long as she keeps, you know, staying sober and attending our meetings. Isn't it? I just, I'm, again, I keep saying I'm in awe of you, but I just think it's, I, I can't even imagine if I'd had this resource. Can you, when you were like that oh, in the day? Gosh, no. Well, I, I think mean, about how I would reach me years ago, and it would just be like I described. I mean, not somebody telling me what to do, because any addict or alcoholic doesn't like to be told what to do. It would just be somebody coming alongside me and saying, hey, if the choices you're making aren't working out for you, why don't you try this way? You know, it's 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 just meeting people where they are, offering a new suggestion, and having them try it on for a while. And, you know, when you put down the substances and you start feeling better physically and you start feeling better mentally, and then as college students, if you're not drinking and drugging, you got more money in your pocket. So, you know, there, there are plenty of attractive things about getting sober. I mean, I know it's a huge step. And... You know, and very few take it, but if you've got the evidence there that it's not working, you're a brave person to just, you know, draw the line in the sand and say, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, and do you know what? Uh, you know how important it is for busy living sober to change the um, stigma associated Absolutely. with it. And I want to ask you, why is it important for you, in your opinion, to reduce the stigma behind alcoholism, and especially with the college students? Right. Well, one of the things we do as service work is we go into high schools and middle schools and and talk about where we kind of went off the tracks and tell our own stories. And and being public about that I think is important because it it offers hope. You know, I I didn't know anything about AA or 12-step. I mean, I thought I did back in the 80s when I was partying, but – you know, it wasn't until I went to my first meeting that I, I learned there were people like me in the rooms, and there were young people in there. Um, so being out loud about your sobriety lets other people identify or see if they've got something in common with you and and, and helps, helps, you, helps that person who's struggling feel like they're not the only one that's struggling and that there are other people like you out there and that if I'm just brave enough to ask for a little bit of help – you know, I'm going to find it because it seems like people are willing to help. I mean, you know what we say, when the hand of AA reaches out, I will be there. Right. And so that's, that's been important on this campus is, is, you know, we had a recovery bash last semester. We advertised it all over campus. We had a band. We had food. We just wanted to show the rest of campus that we've we've got a group of students that are living a different way. And if you're interested, here we are, and this is how you find us, and this is how you get in touch with us. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of my students for being that brave. Not all of them are super comfortable doing it. Some are more comfortable than others about being, you know, open about their recovery. Um, but it's everybody's own personal decision, but more and more deciding to do it. And I think social media has something to do with that. I mean, you see people all the time celebrating their, you know, recovery anniversaries on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, and that's inspiring when you see somebody, hey, I got two years today, hey, I got 30 days today. <laughs> You know, I love seeing that. So, And how many people came out for the bash that you had? We probably had 60, which isn't a huge oh, number. Oh, but, but, but that's yeah. awesome. That's yeah, better a lot than of, 10. Oh, my exactly. God, that's amazing. Yeah, and a lot um, from the community. We had the inpatient group 
population from the Charleston Center, which is one of our treatment centers in town, come. And, you know, I've got two students that still have sponsees that they met that night. You know, it was cool for these uh, folks who were inpatient to get out and have some fun and do it in a sober way and to meet my students. And, you know, a couple of them develop relationships with my students that they're still holding on to today. So that was exciting. That's just amazing. Now tell me this, if you, do you, how often do you have parents actually calling and saying, can you help my child? I mean, more than you would guess. I've got, it's funny, I don't necessarily know how all these parents kind of find out about our program. Maybe they're poking around on the College Charleston website, but I, I get probably three calls a week from parents either of current students or prospective students that want to know about the Collegiate Recovery Program. And, you know, I meet with a lot of students who who are just kind of – maybe they're not as interested in sobriety or, or making changes as their parents are, but I'll have I'll set up those meetings and have them come in and, you know – Usually they're not doing a ton of talking. I'm telling them my story. I'm telling them about our students, and then I'll introduce them to some of our students. And I'll invite them to a recovery meeting. We had two kids that came to our meeting last Thursday that really weren't sure about sobriety, don't know what to think about it, but they've been having enough trouble that, you know, it's at least something that's on their radar. And I think each of them were impressed with, you know, we had 14 students at the meeting that day, and, you know, they saw how happy and free these students seemed, and, you know, they talked about their struggles with school and relationships. They were just real, normal college kids, but they were living a different way. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens long-term with these new folks. I love that. So that when the moms or the dads call you or and say, oh, my gosh, we're worried about them, you say, oh, well, this is the one you tell them to come on over, and then hopefully the child or the young adult will show up for the meeting. Right. Well, what I usually do, this seems to be the best way to communicate. I say, just give them my college trust and cell phone number and have them text me. And so they'll text me. I usually ask them to make the first step. You know, it's, right. you don't want somebody you don't know calling you up and say, hey, your mom told me you were struggling. You know, so right. exactly. I say, please give them my number. And, and they'll text me. You know, they usually make that first step. And I say, hey, I've got time on Friday. Come on by and let's talk. And yeah, you know, really make it as, as casual as possible and try and build some trust right off the bat. And, you know, just kind of, again, come along beside them, listen to what's going on, and, and see if they're ready to at least consider coming to a meeting. But a few aren't, and they want to keep meeting with me individually, and that's fine. I've got time to do that. Uh, it took me a while before I finally got it. I mean, it was probably two years of me going to meetings and, calling people and then not calling people and not going to meetings. I mean, it took me a while to finally say, yeah, it's time for me to do this. And my last comment, I guess, is that this is free, isn't it, for the students? Absolutely. Yeah. It's free. It's amazing. I mean, it's right there at their disposal. All they need to do is have the willingness, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we all need that willingness. (laughs) I know. And more and more campuses are starting programs. I think they're probably about 250 around the country. Um, That's still less than 15% of all four-year institutions. But, you know, more and more schools are – yeah, I gave a talk last week to a group of therapists, and uh, it was kind of advertised around the state. And uh, a group from Greenville College came down, and they didn't have a program, but they were interested in learning more about it. So I've been in touch with them. You know, there's more and more interest throughout the state. And the hope is that states 
start funding collegiate pro collegiate recovery programs. Um, that there's funding available to set these programs up so that the you know the funding isn't a problem for the colleges and universities themselves. Um, because that's a lot of what it comes down to is hiring a good director, finding space on campus, and and making programming available. But it's it's just the neatest thing. I mean, even if I didn't get this job, I'd be so proud of my school. You know, I mean, I, I really am. I, I just think it's it's neat to know that the college is doing this and and that they care about these students. Well, I'm I am glad that I have two my stepdaughter and my daughter, as you know, are at the college of yeah. and, and I feel so I that that the resources there, if either of them need it, and that you're there, and I thank you so much for taking your oh, time so to well. talk to me this this morning afternoon, and um I maybe I'll touch base with you again at the end of the semester and see how everything finished the year out. So it'll be your Would. you know. Would you be willing love to, do to that? talk more about it. You can tell how fired up I am talking about this stuff. And I'm so proud of you and what you're doing. And keep up the great work. Thank you so much. And I will send you the link so that you can also promote this. But, again, keep getting busy living sober, everybody. Thank Thanks you, Busy. Thanks All right, have a great day. Okay, bye. Bye, my dear.